Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I'm your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we are speaking with Kristen Petrie. Kristen is the principal of Malarium Creative. She's also a longtime volunteer with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society, helping them on their graphic design and branding opportunities. And then most importantly, Kristen is our technical cat for the Community Cats podcast. So as you are looking at our website and all of our links on iTunes, those things are all there because of Kristen. So Kristen, I want to welcome you to the show today. Thank you very much for having me. That makes me sound awfully important. <laughs> she is super, super important. <laughs> I would be doing these interviews and they would be just sitting on my laptop going nowhere. So Kristen is the one who... Uh, gets them out and about into the big wide world so that folks can listen to this show. And I'm so very, very appreciative of all of her efforts and hard work. It's not easy to move files around as she puts it that way, which <laughs> I think is a very simple uh, explanation for a fantastic job that she does. And for those of you who are listening and enjoy the listening quality, much of that has to do with Kristen and her efforts in making sure that our sound quality is as good as it can possibly be. So for your listening enjoyment, it's Kristen, you need to thank. <laughs> I, I need to also thank Danny, who's our production assistant, because he definitely helps out with that process. And he's going to be listening to this. So. <laughs> Hi, Danny. <laughs> and he is with Emerald City Productions, correct? Yes. Yep. And he is excellent. So one would ask, why do I have Kristen on the show today? Well, Kristen and I, I can't even remember how long we've known each other, but we did meet through the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. And Kristen is incredibly passionate about cats. And I was wondering if you might be able to share with us how you first got started in learning about community cats and, and helping them out. So I had uh, lived in Florida for a while and was kind of cutting my chops in the marketing industry. Moved back up here because this is where I am from. And I was starting to build a business. But when you do that, you have a little bit of time on your hands. So I was trying to look around for like, what can I be doing? I'm not a person who ever sits still. <laughs> So I was like, I should be practicing something. So I was I was looking around for who I could help, really. And I found the Merrimack River Feline Rescue. I've always been one of those people who is at a party hugging like the owner's cat rather than talking <laughs> to people. <laughs> so it was kind of a perfect fit. And it's funny because you know, you always think like, oh, like you would be cleaning cat boxes and things, which I did. I actually started as an adoption counselor, answering phones and talking to the public about what cat would be perfect for them. I have always loved animals. And so it, it worked out great that I could offer something that I do my special set of skills, I think, to um, to helping promote something I love. And it's funny that you you say that because it's you were really intrinsic in getting me more involved in the shelter. I had intended on just coming in and answering some phones and maybe cleaning some cat boxes. And and it was always Stacy who was saying like, oh, do you want to take a feral cat? You, it's it's not going to be a big deal. Don't worry about it. Or oh, do you want to do you want to sit on the board of directors? I'm like, what's that mean? You're like, oh, it's not a big deal. Just show up. <laughs> 
So I got I got involved in a lot of things and I've had a lot of opportunities thanks to you for leading me along into the world of animal welfare and community cats and actually working on this podcast has been has been incredibly interesting for me because I have generally worked in adoptions and the spay neuter van um, to some extent but I I think acknowledging that there are community cats that do live outdoors and they're kind of everybody's cat and and they have their own kind of life going on rather than you know us just trapping them trying to turn them and then adopting them out to to a loving family or a barn or something um, is not always the best thing for them so it's been fascinating to hear all of the experts you've had on the show and their opinions on you know what should be going on with cats and and so forth I think one thing that we've had as a commonality over the years is an interest in being able to uh, educate through communications. And you, in the early days, came to me wanting to do some educational programs at our local library, yes, which was sort of like the first step in thinking about this podcast, because here you were bringing in great speakers to the local library, but yet, you know, you were only able to present to 40, 50 people, you know, and then this is sort of putting it on steroids, I would say. The lecture series was kind of a, a little pet project of mine that I, I actually really enjoyed doing. Um, it's incredibly time consuming <laughs> to put together, but it's great because I've always had the view that people are the key to all of this. I mean, cats don't come walking in the door and ask to be, oh, I'd like to be spayed or neutered, please. Like it's their people that are going to take that action. It's also the people who, if you look at cases of abuse or cases of neglect or cases of like just ignorance of people not knowing, and I, ignorance always has this negative connotation, but I guess not knowing how to take care of their cat or that, you know, their cat's weight problem is a similar to a human's weight problem and it could be detrimental to their health. Like things like that, that not everybody knows. People have always just had cats and that's their thing. So it's nice to be able to get information to them that they wouldn't necessarily normally hear. There's a ton of services out there for cats that people may not know about, um, alternative veterinary medicine and things that they can do in conjunction with their regular vet. And there's training tricks. And I love that the clicker training uh, that we talked about on a previous episode, if we could link to that, that would be awesome, that they're trying a new way to get feral cats to accept humans. And it's through this clicker train. And it's like all of these things that you would never think of unless you know, somebody told you about it. And if people aren't necessarily looking up this information, so it's nice to be able to present it to them. And the lecture series was a great way to do that. But like you said, it, it's limited. This is so much better. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to pick your brain a little bit on the show today, wearing your graphic designer hat mm -hmm. um, with the knowledge that you've been on a board of directors for a nonprofit, relatively small nonprofit that has since grown to be much larger. One question that I think many organizations don't necessarily think of when they're young and small mm -hmm. is the question of branding. What is branding for an organization? Branding ultimately is a logo and a name and a look and a feel that is recognizable. And I think it that definition is really light in terms of what it actually is. I mean, it can get down into like the company voice and, you know, how you're writing your blog posts and things like that. But my main focus is on the look and feel of what an organization looks like. And when I started with MRFRS, I was really lucky that everybody was open to the idea of taking on some new branding. We had a great logo, but it had been 
photocopy five million times and was still getting used. <laughs> and it definitely looked like something that had been started in a very small manner. And I think that the organization at the time I got involved was starting to grow. So it made sense, especially since we were taking on looking at like a spay neuter clinic and things like that, that it looked a little more professional. So we cleaned up the logo and we, you know, assigned team colors and <laughs> and started working through some of the kind of more common things that we give to people. And the idea to doing all of this is to reinforce the mission of the organization and to make it recognizable. So Everybody who goes to, you know, a spay neuter van in this area, I wanted to call it, I want them to call it the Catmobile. Even if it's not the Catmobile, <laughs> I would like them to call it that because they've seen it so many times and it's just part of the lingo. I think we've done a pretty good job with that. When specifically we're looking at MRFRS, the idea was to look friendly and comfortable. We've done that through picking a font, uh, kind of one of our main fonts that we use. It's Kronos. It's got nice rounded edges. It's sans serif, so it's got a modern modern look to it. And we really limited the colors just to two. We use black and blue, and it's a nice, friendly, light blue, but it's got a little bit of energy to it. And then we use a lot of white space to keep things clean. And I like to, when we start picking pictures, you know, I try to pick ones with people in them. So it's not just the cat by themselves. If there's anything that goes out, I like to try to have a person represented on there somewhere. But branding is a lot about consistency. The trick to good branding is to not get too creative <laughs> as you move forward, like put down the rules and stick to them for a while so that people see the same colors, the same pictures, the same brand, the same same logos over and over and over again so that they start to associate the elements of the brand with the company. And then you can start to vary a little bit more when people are already familiar with it. But I do hear quite a bit that people recognize us. And so that makes me makes me a little bit proud right. <laughs> to have been a part of that. It does go through a lot of review and it's important that it does that. Take take the time to look at your look at your work and get all opinions because I know lots of things, but I don't know everything. <laughs> so <laughs> it's important to, you know, let the rest of the board have some feedback in it, talk about it, and be open to taking critique about what you're developing. And eventually you wind up with something that encapsulates everybody's message. And then you can present it to the people who matter. And now let's take a moment to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Accidental Exiles by Bruce Perry. Jesse McAllister, a young Texan and a rock war vet, escapes to Europe where he seeks a new direction and to heal his desert wounds. Wandering the streets of Ascona, Switzerland, he meets and falls in love with a beautiful Italian waitress named Sonia Altarelli. Since the horrors of combat he encountered with a boyhood friend, Jesse will have nothing more to do with war. This story is his farewell to arms. Check out Accidental Exiles on Amazon.com today. Are you starting to think about that special holiday gift? Why not give the gift of a Community Cats podcast branded t-shirt, coffee mug, bag, or other item? This is the perfect way to spread the word about helping Community Cats. The proceeds from the sales will go to support the Community Cats podcast and the Community Cats Grants program, which helps small groups grow their fundraising programs to be able to fund more spay-neuter programs for free-roaming cats. Go to www.communitycatspodcast.com and click on our shop button in the menu bar today to get that perfect community cat gift right now. Thank you, everybody, for supporting the show. 
If we're a small organization and say a graphic designer actually offers their services to us, do we say we want someone who's in charge of branding or do we say we just want someone to design the website and we'll do the newsletter over here? Or or is it is there a way for us to piecemeal the jobs? Do we get multiple graphic designers to take different components and then one person sort of oversees it all? I mean, is there sort of a magic job description for a graphic designer for a small organization? I think every organization is going to be a little bit different, but in my experience, I've always found that you've got to find a first and foremost beyond like graphic design skills. You need to find a team player, somebody who's willing to work with other people. So there's lots of people who go into graphic design and think I'm going to take all this and fix all these problems. And, you know, it's, it can become your baby and you need to, you need to be willing to let other people mold the design and you need to find somebody who's willing to take some opinions and take the time to really work on it. I do think checking a portfolio is always the most important. They should have a website up. They should have something to look at in terms of other work that they've done. Um, And I think it's important, especially to look at consistency. I think one of the things that I've always tried to show people when I'm trying to show them what I do for branding is a variety of pieces that are in the same campaign. This is the website. This is the e-newsletter. This is the ads we ran. And this is the radio spot we did. And so that they can see that there's a theme that's running through it. If you're looking at branding specifically, I would look for somebody with some experience. I love to work with college kids quite a bit because they they are kind of hungry to do good work. <laughs> so So that's good. But if you're looking for somebody to manage your brand, it might be worth looking at somebody who's been you know, doing it for a little while. But I think that if you're going to piecemeal it, you need to have everybody on the same page. And that's where that teamwork piece comes in. Like whoever is heading up the effort needs to be good at communicating what the brand is to other designers. Because most designers can do brand work. It's not difficult. Once the brand is already in place, it's very easy to see the logo goes here. It goes here every single time. Like these are the only colors we use. These particular elements that we've worked on in this ad should carry through to the brochures and things like that. And most designers can pick that up. You just need to have somebody who's good at articulating that. And it also needs to be done in a way that there's like a system of review. I think if you're trying to keep your branding tight, but you're looking to work with a variety of people because volunteers, it is hard to to take on all of the things just by yourself. So there's always going to be a bunch of people working together the team at MRFRS is fabulous and they're, they're awesome to work with. And, and Steph runs things pretty tight ship on the branding front. And there, we do have the challenge of a lot of times we'll have volunteers that want to help with the graphic design or, you know, they're a high school kid that's interested in it or what have you. It just takes a little extra time to kind of work with them to get them to where you're going. And sometimes that can be frustrating. I think, especially when people are working for free and volunteering their time, they've made this beautiful poster and you're like, well, that's great, but can you redo all of this? Because <laughs> it doesn't fit the brand. I think that can be can be a serious challenge. And so somebody who's a good communicator and is good at not tearing anybody apart <laughs> for something that they've done, but scooching them towards getting closer to the brand is, is important. But um, I do feel like the brand is important and it's an asset to any organization, whether they're big or small. It's your face to the rest of the world. Most people aren't going to talk to your volunteers first. They'll probably see your website. They'll probably see a bumper sticker. They'll probably see something that you've put out before they talk to somebody. So 
it's important to keep all of that consistent so that the messaging that your organization and the mission that they're trying to accomplish is kept consistent to the public, really. I would say look for someone with experience, check portfolios. And if you are the brand manager in an organization or you're kind of taking on that role, it's important to put a team together that you trust, that you like working with and to let new people in, of course, and just keep the feedback tight and protect the brand, I guess is the best thing I can recommend. So I'm going to just change topics here a little bit um, because Mm -hmm. I know you have been a foster home for a long, long time. And I believe you have a penchant for orange kitties. Is that correct? <laughs> I don't actually. Oh. I, I, I love orange cats. Don't get me wrong, but I will take all comers really. <laughs> I tend to, because I do rabies quarantines and feral cats, that's really kind of my pension is like anything that's nasty and <laughs> or hurt, I am happy to take. But I usually kind of whoever the adoption counselors are like, hey, do you mind taking this cat? I'll usually take him. I have a little black one right now that looks just like a bear. He's adorable. Oh, that's so cute. That's so cute. Well, and it's a nice testament to say that many people foster kittens and they're all cute and adorable and everything. But, you know, those adult cats, they definitely need support. And, you know, you're probably very busy running your own business and having an adult cat is probably a lot easier than messy kittens. Oh, of the things I don't particularly like taking, I don't like taking kittens. But the thing that reminds me why I do all this is when I have that feral cat that's done nothing but like hide in the basement. When he first comes up and's like, well, maybe I'll let you pat me. Like that's the moment where I'm like, yes, like, this is why I do this. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned the orange one because uh, that's my foster failure, which is probably why everybody thinks I like orange cats so much. But uh, Maho is my is my foster failure. I took him. He was a rabies quarantine and he had a weird thing where he bit his tail. So he needed to be watched. And um, I'll work from home a lot of times. So it's, I think it's good for them to have me there a lot. Like I I never just go out and am gone all day for the most part. So they kind of get used to me as part of the club, I guess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's been good. But yeah, no, I, I like the feral monsters. The ones that can't go back out are the ones I I tend to take um, that black cat right now um, that I was talking about, Lint. He had something happen, and I don't actually know his whole backstory, but he's missing a leg, so he can't be re-released because he would have been a good candidate for a re-release because he, he was not happy <laughs> being indoors at first. But he's since come around, and he's he's huggable, and he's up for adoption. If anybody wants a, a cute black three-legged cat, <laughs> please look up MRFRS. <laughs> he's come around. He you know sleeps in bed and loves to get snuggled and... So they they do turn, but I have quite a few feral cat stories, and I will totally geek out on you if you keep letting me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, lastly, too, I wanted to just touch upon, in a little more detail, your role with the Community Cats podcast, what the experience has been like for you. I personally, I think our website is great and obviously enjoy the podcasts and and that kind of thing. And (laughs) I hope other listeners enjoy the podcasts. Um, But in addition to our website, you also work to have us up on, um, well, we, you go onto Libsyn in order for us Mm -hmm. to get into iTunes and we're also on YouTube, correct? So people can subscribe to the show via YouTube. But when we started on this, I think I mentioned it to you maybe last April, and now here we are near the end of October. Are we where you thought we would be? Yes. <laughs> I I was actually a little nervous taking this project on because I was like, oh my, that's a lot of work. <laughs> I adore 
adore working on this project. Podcasting, I think, is is very much the f- future of audio media. I think that there's so many cool podcasts out there and everybody gets an opinion and it's, it's, it's not very easy to do (laughs) on your own, but everybody can do it. Like if you want to have your own personal little radio broadcast, you can totally do that. And I think I love that aspect of it. And I love that we're able to put this up and speak to the whole animal welfare community and kind of spread ideas. And I've, always been a big believer in that it's better to work together. I, I've never understood why anybody would dig their heels in and, and say like, no, like we can't work with you. I mean, it, it's important that we all communicate and we all talk and there's always going to be differences, but this is a great medium for that. It's a great way to kind of get words and ideas out. When you talk about meaningful projects to work on, this is way up there. But on the technical side of things, it's a bit of a process. So it usually starts with you recording. And you tend to schedule all the guests and get your recordings done and they go in these little marathon spurts that I'm shocked that you still have a voice at the end of. (laughs) And then the files come to me and I usually give them a quick listen just to make sure that there's nothing weird in there, like any gigantic sounds that are odd. And when we first started, I think for the first 50 odd episodes, I did the editing. So we edit out all the ums and the ahs and any weird pauses and try to get any background noise out that we can. And then now at this point, we've been busy enough and there's enough going on that it goes to the production assistant who does the heavy duty editing. He gets all the words taken care of and all those ums and ahs. And then he sends it back to me completely cut with the promos and everything in place and all the intros and the outros and the sound effects. And that was actually part of the brand. One of the things we did very first things that we did when we started doing this was work on like a sound template and a feeling for the podcast and the sounds that we do use in it. So we wanted to be cute, but not too cute. And I think, I think we're accomplishing that. Then once I get the files back, we need to distribute them to everywhere it needs to go. So they need to be prepped and sent out to all of the outlets that were played in. Um, a lot of that is done through Libsyn, which is great. Um, YouTube has to happen separately. And we're always looking for new venues to be in. I'm hoping to bring us to Spotify in the not too distant future. That happens and we post it up on the website and your assistant, Jamie, actually takes care of all the social media. So the promotion of one podcast actually takes quite quite a bit of work. We have somebody who writes the posts for the website who does the descriptions for everybody's interview. It's a big machine. <laughs> <laughs> and I like being a cognate very much. But the website is something that I'm I'm pretty proud of. I, I like our look. I think it's very appropriate for what we're trying to get out. And it's always improving. I'm very much looking forward to starting the Cat Academy piece of this because I think people are going to find that to be an incredible resource. Um, your wealth of knowledge and all of the connections you have and their wealth of knowledge, that's all going to get aggregated into one place. And I think that's going to be absolutely brilliant. I can't wait to wait to start launching that. Yeah, that's going to be a, a lot of fun. Yeah, it's amazing the amount of effort. And we're all doing this virtually. We're all in different yep. places around the country. And I just wanted to remind our listeners that this show is really for you. And so if you ever have any thoughts, ideas, or comments, guest ideas, anything, you can always email me at stacy at communitycatspodcast.com because I'm doing this to try and help be helpful to others. And, um, and I think we both, as you know, with education and community, it's all about sharing. And I want people to share their stories as well as to share their thoughts and their, and their ideas. So please do uh, communicate with both of us on um, 
what you might want to see for the show coming up in the future. I love feedback. <laughs> we do. I do too. I, I love comments. I think they're great. And I want to thank people who have commented already because it's just really fun to read the comments. Even if people don't agree with some of the things like that I'm saying in my blog, it's okay. We all have different ideas and we don't have to all agree 100%. And the important part is that we're all out there sharing and sharing together. So Kristen, if folks are interested in finding out, uh, reaching out to you, finding out more maybe about what your work is, or if they're interested in finding out about branding or any graphic design services for their nonprofit, how would they find you? I love to talk to people. So they can go to my website, which is malariumcreative.com. That's M-E-L-L-A-R-I-U-M creative.com. And they can find me through there. Um, you can email me directly at kp at malarium.com. They can also, if they have any questions about the show or if they you know, want to ask about the Community Cats podcast or have found some god-awful thing on the website that I haven't noticed yet, <laughs> please let me know. Um, they can reach me at support at communitycatspodcast.com. I'm pretty available to chat with people whenever they want. I, I love to talk about what I do and, and especially the cats. So Kristen, is there anything you want to share with our listeners? Any last thoughts? I would say that probably everybody needs a designer and they don't know that they need them. And luckily we're like you shake a tree and a graphic designer will probably fall out of it. So if you have a resource, if you have somebody around you and you're, you know, running a nonprofit or you're just starting a nonprofit or any business really, but particularly nonprofits, because they are usually the last to kind of get their marketing piece together, talk to somebody, like get a, get a designer involved, because I think that you'll find that once you put that piece together, it helps to gel a whole number of things, including defining the mission, keeping the staff together, and it helps boost morale if everything looks professional. And it's something that will make people proud if you do it right. And I think that it's more important than most people believe it to be. So, so get your image together and get out there and, and help more community cats. Kristen, I want to thank you again for agreeing to be a guest on my show, and I hope we'll have you on again in the future. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Community Cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes, leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats. 